Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have a dynamic young couple. All right, I'll throw in the word glamorous, too, from Whistler, which is a famous ski resort. In fact, I think I fell down a couple of mountains there once many years ago um, and um, misnavigated some double black diamonds up there. But anyway, it's one of the world's top ski resorts. And Natasha and Ed Tatton started a vegan bakery in Whistler. It's won an award. It's the talk of the town. It's called Bread. So join us, learn how to start a vegan business, and you can call in and ask your questions. This is a trove of information because these two simply said, we're going to open a vegan business. They opened a vegan bakery, and it's a hit. So take it away. Um, Whoever wants to start, how did this start let's start with you natasha oh okay um so i was working as a volunteer in um, a local environmental charity group i was a vegan myself and i felt that the impact i was having um to do better in the charity wasn't enough and i started playing the idea of opening some sort of vegan community space like a cafe and at the same time my husband ed who's with me here today started baking bread at the restaurant he was working at as a sous chef it was a farm to table restaurant and he started to implement a bread program there making sourdough and then making it and giving it to family and friends in his spare time and then eventually started selling bread uh, on a weekly basis once a week to friends this started to grow and grow and started selling bread through facebook it was all done as a pre-order system And each week he would change the types of bread. And people started to say in the end, when you're going to open a bakery, I want to buy this bread all the time. And we decided to partner up and open a vegan bakery together because he's vegan, I'm vegan. He was making bread. I wanted to open a cafe and it just seemed like a really good time to to link up so that we could bring more vegan options to our community, to the visitors that come to Whistler that are looking for plant-based alternatives and just kind of show people what it's all about. That is such a fabulous story and romantic. I'm gonna throw that in too. Now, Ed, um, you started bread, first for another restaurant, and then you would, from what I heard, sort of rent their kitchen for one day every so often, and then make your bread for your friends. Your friends were raving about the bread. Frankly, I became famished just researching your story. I kept looking at these pictures of bread going, I want some. Do they deliver to LA? Absolutely amazing. First of all, uh, how did you get so good at break, baking bread? I am actually afraid to turn on my oven. How did you get to the point where you were essentially a master chef uh, in this particular arena? And this is so informative to people because so many people, you know, we do on Jane Unchained, a daily mm-hmm. vegan cooking show called Lunch Break Live. We also do a vegan cooking show that's on Amazon, that's on public television station called New Day New Chef. And so I've met hundreds, maybe even thousands of chefs. And um, A, the cooking always reveals their personality. People cook the way their personality. And B, so many top chefs say, my dream is to open a vegan restaurant. I hear it constantly. But between that dream and reality are, well, a chasm, a moat, a moat. So give us some insight into how you did it, Ed. Uh, I feel like I've been in kitchens all my life. I started in kitchens when I was 13 years old, and it's in my blood. It's shaped my personality and who I am as an adult. Um, I love being in kitchens. I love being around good quality food, fresh vegetables, local produce. Um, and I think that really, that I didn't grow up, you know, watching TV, dreaming of being like a Jamie Oliver or anything like that. Um, so I've been in kitchens for over 20 years. I'm 36 now, started making sourdough 12, 13 years ago. 
Um, so again, I wasn't part of, you know, it seems like 2020, everyone became sourdough bakers. Um, and it's all about experience and learning and making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and, you know, pushing yourself. And I've, I always compare myself to like a Japanese chef where I was a, an all round chef and then chose my field. Um, and I chose sourdough to specialize in. Uh, I, love, I always say I love the simplicity that it's water, flour, salt. Um, but at the same point, every day it changes, especially living here in the mountains. You know, one day in the winter, we have minus 20 um, Celsius. Celsius. <laughs> and then at the moment wow. today, we're in, uh, you know, 37, 38 degrees Celsius. We're in over 100 Fahrenheit right now. So it's hot. Yeah. So and it dry. <laughs> sometimes it's dry. Sometimes it's humid. Um, and the sourdough changes. You know, it's fermentation. It's natural. It's good for you. It's healthy. Um, this is, is, I'm really passionate about sourdough. <laughs> so let me say this because so many people ask that question, which of course we consider somewhat silly. Uh, how do you bake without eggs and dairy? What you're saying to me is sourdough is inherently vegan. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, we've been making, we've been making that. Bread. What, what makes sourdough? I've ne- I don't really understand what makes sourdough different from any other bread and why it's inherently vegan. Totally. Yeah. I mean, they've been, we've found traces um, up to 9,000 years ago of us uh, eating bread um, in Egyptian tombs. They found um, traces of sourdough, um, natural fermentation. They would mix flour and water and make simple flatbreads. And then the stories of them setting that aside because they had too much. And naturally, the bacteria in the air would ferment that. And they worked out when they heated it it would expand and they would get these air pockets. And that's where the early traces of sourdough come from, where they were leaving it. Um, They weren't just mixing it and rolling it and using it straight away. There was some days involved and time. um, And that's always the the fourth ingredient. You have water, flour, salt, time. And the fifth ingredient is love. If you don't have the five (laughs) ingredients, then you won't make good bread. But if you go to commercially bought bread labels in the store, for example, um, you might find 20 to 30 different ingredients. And for example, um, people have thought for years that buying something called brown bread uh, is healthier than white bread. But actually, brown bread uses whole grains and whole grains have a shorter shelf life than white flour. And therefore, they have to add preservatives like sugar to keep the bread soft. And then you'll find, also find things like milk ingredients added to bread sometimes. And then things like brioche breads, they can have eggs, butter, milk, cream, you name it, all the dairy stuff in there. And Ed can make a brioche dough that's 100% vegan by substituting for vegetable oils and coconut cream. And, and there are plant-based alternatives and create brioche that's just as good as a traditional one. So when you hear people say, well, I could never bake without eggs or dairy, what would you tell them? Let's give specific advice to people who are listening who are not yet plant-based, who might like to bake. And as one woman said to me when she said, oh, I was going to make something, but I ran out of eggs. Darn it. I said, you don't need eggs. And Mm -hmm. I know you can use flaxseed and um, bananas and many other things, but give us a rundown, Ed, of in general, in baking, what people can use that is zero cholesterol, much mm-hmm. more of a superfood, and that um, makes that achieves the same result if uh, or better. I mean, one of my big, big problems in life is that vegan pastries, which I'm hooked on, are so good, I have to be careful that I don't put on the pounds. It's yeah. happened because they're so unbelievably delicious so we we prove on a daily basis that we don't need it but yet people still feel well so break it down for us what can people do if they're watching and they say okay maybe i'd like to make my favorite uh either bread cookies muffins croissant uh cakes let me see what i can do what would you tell them in terms of i mean yeah i mean that's to do First of all, I mean, it's becoming easier and easier. You know, if, even if we go back five years ago, there weren't as many products, uh, vegan alternatives on the market. Now we can all see that, you know, cheeses, butters, 
egg replacements are easier to source and in more stores. So it's not like you have to go to the specialty, you know, store, the vegan store. Generally, they're in most supermarkets. Um, like you said, flaxseed is amazing, linseed. Um, it's called in Europe. It's, uh, we can get it organic and local here in Canada. So we love using that. Um, it's high in omegas, so very, very healthy. Um, also, it's What's quite. What's it called? Linseed. Linseed, yeah. So we, you flax. Know, flax. That's oh, where, flaxseed. Yeah, yeah. Think of linen. It's got two names. <laughs> That's where where linen cloth comes from. Um, is from from that grain. Um, so it's really sustainable, really easy to grow. Chia seed is very good. Um, we love aquafaba, which is comes from chickpeas. The 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 cooking liquid from chickpeas. Um, is a great replacement for egg whites. You can make amazing meringues with that um, or brownies. We love to put it in the brownies because it aerates the brownie. So a simple whisk, um, if you were making hummus, reserve that liquid. Um, you can whisk it lightly and add that as a replacement instead of egg white. Um, also, psyllium husk is a great alternative, very gelatinous um, and emulsifies um, within cakes and muffins, things like that. Um, you can use oat milk, again, really, really sustainable, uses a lot, lot, lot less water to produce um, than some of the nut milks and things. Um, coconut milk, um, you can use extra virgin coconut oil instead of uh, butter. But at the same point, if you need a butter for croissants, there's lots of great vegan butters out there. So it's really looking at the thing that you're replacing, what does that bring to the recipe? Mm. Is it an egg yolk you're trying to replace, a whole egg or an egg white? Um, and what does the egg do? What's the, what is, it, do? is it binding? Is it aerating? Like what's, what, what are you trying to do by you have adding to, egg? You have to be a bit of a, uh, you know, think like a scientist. It makes it a bit more fun. There's not as much information out there, but um, it's going to challenge you. And I think everyone needs a bit of a challenge in life. So um, get out of your comfort zone. And just give it a go and share it with friends. So what are your best-selling items at Whistler? We are talking to Natasha and Ed Tatton. They've opened Bread, B-R-E-D, and it's a hit in Whistler. We're going to talk about the award you just won in a second, but what are your top-selling items and who's buying them? So I, I would say, first of all, it's always been our target market is, is mums. Mums that are buying for the family. Um, but also we have, you know, we have young and old. We have pretty much it's for the community. But I would say as a generalization, um, it's mums buying for the family um, who are sort of a bit more health conscious, are happy to spend a little bit more on locally made um, supporting a small business. Those are the people that buy from us week in, week out, year round, our local families. But our position being at the base of a gondola in one of the world's best ski resorts means that we do cater for visitors when they want to grab a coffee and a to-go snack. Um, and they're hitting the gondola. They're going on their mountain expedition. They come and see us before they hit the slopes. And so there's those people as well. So it's important to cater to both like giving people weekly staples to feed their families and then also treats and um, beverages for, for day trippers. But I'd say our, our biggest sellers are the sourdough bread. We're most known for the bread. People can buy for sandwiches and, you know, in the summer picnics, but also sourdough cinnamon buns. We've become really well known for our cinnamon buns mm. with um, oh. delicious vegan cream cheese frosting. And people don't know. I have to go to Whistler just to have a cinnamon bun. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't break my leg on the slopes. No, I gave up skiing a long time ago. But um, I just think what you're doing is fantastic. Now, tell us about the award you won. And then we're going to get into tips for people opening vegan businesses. But first, we've got a caller. Sarah, uh, your question or thought for the Tattens. Hi, I'm really glad to uh, see you guys on here today, and this is such a great segment about plant-based treats that we can enjoy while, you know, doing our winter activities or, you know, anything. I wanted to say when I grew up, I grew up sled riding, and when we would come home, my mom would always have hot chocolate, right? So would you probably possibly have, like, hot chocolate bars or places and maybe franchise them so that all 
ski resorts and all winter places and stuff like that could have that for everybody because I feel like that's a big need all around the world. You know, for everybody loves hot chocolate, I think. What do you think? And get vegan hot chocolate, which I have. I have to admit, all the time. Yes, I mean, I think, Sarah, those are excellent questions. The idea that you're at one ski resort, but could you franchise this? Could you, are, what is your vision? So I think in the vegan space, there's a lot of um, push to make everything mainstream. We're seeing a lot of vegan burgers blow up and a lot of fast food outlets that have been famous for years are now incorporating plant-based alternatives. And that's amazing. And that's definitely what we need to get everybody to follow a more plant forward diet. Um, However, I think that we're also in danger of making veganism seem like a junk food lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And also we don't want to make veganism seem like a accessible and, and cheap and then keep the elite thinking that eating animal-based foods is uh, some kind of superiority. We want to show that there's a whole spectrum of vegan foods. So there's foods that are accessible and affordable at one end, and you can get them everywhere. And then there's also higher end, like we just saw Madison, um, is it Madison yeah. in the New York, the three Michelin star restaurant convert to a vegan menu and the waiting list is 35,000 people strong right now. It's incredible. So this is great. And we as a high-end bakery, it's very difficult for us to franchise because we have to have bakers that are as good as Ed. And um, that's just not easy to find. So and you I mean, never find that. <laughs> so there are a few out there, but it's still very difficult to find um, bakers who are vegan or passionate about vegan food because the baking industry in general is very far behind. You know, we're not seeing the same creativity in the baking industry as we are in like vegan burgers, for example. So we still have work to do. And going back to Sarah's question, we love hot chocolate and we make an amazing hot chocolate at the shop. And we even add vegan marshmallows and house-made coconut whip. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm getting hungry and hungry. Okay, tell us about the award you won. Yeah, so we won, um, it's uh, Small Business BC uh, Youth Entrepreneur, which we just snuck in there. The cutoff was 35. So um, luckily we were, I was um, six months before my birthday. But anyway, we'll, we'll take it. So we were really thrilled to be nominated, first of all. And then we sort of were, the judges looked at our um, business and we were down to the final 10 and then the final five. Um, and we had to do a sort of shark tank style uh, presentation um, and we're big fans of Shark Tank and Dragon's Den in the UK so we loved it it was a 10 minute um, pitch um, to promote ourselves and our business and it was pretty nerve-wracking in front of a, a panel of judges and then it was 30 minutes of Q&A um, and they, they loved our business they loved the the vegan concept where we were trying to push the business and like Natasha mentioned bring it out to the mainstream and not have it as this, you know, sort of niche, niche, niche product. Yeah, because um, our concept is vegan. And as you said, Jane, like a lot of people like think bread is, they don't really think about it, but it should be vegan by default anyway. So bread has been our get them in the door product. It's something that is accessible and recognizable to people. And then they go, oh, those baked treats look delicious. I'm going to try that and that and that. Oh, this is so good. And I say to people, yeah, and it's vegan and that's why it tastes so good. And they sort of look at you like, really? Um, And then sort of it's a gateway, isn't it? Because when people eat like something delicious that's vegan, then they sort of think, oh, maybe I like other vegan foods. And you can just open a whole rabbit hole of experimenting with plant-based foods. But for the award, um, we opened in March 2019. And of course, in March 2020, the whole world was in lockdown COVID stuff. So that happened within our first year of operating. And we had an overnight pivot to selling online. And we actually got featured in Forbes magazine because we were to pivot. I know we're really proud of that. <laughs> and um, and this, then we took the time to like think of other angles on our business and go through all of our marketing, building better rapport with our customers and ultimately create some alternative streams of revenue. And that was really how Small Business BC assessed us as business people. They said they liked the fact that we had strong ethics, 
that we were authentic to our values. We're a vegan owned and operated business. We're not just a business that's trying the vegan thing to make money because we can see it's trendy. We've been vegan for years and we're passionate about having a vegan future and inspiring other business people to to go vegan. Um, And so we've spent a lot of time working on that. Like now we do consultations for aspiring vegan entrepreneurs. Um, We're members of vegan business networks um, and we do kind of a lot more to empower other entrepreneurs. Well, let's let's uh, talk about that. Top five tips for opening a vegan business, particularly in the food er- arena. We know that I think the statistic is something like ninety percent of all restaurants fail, whatever yeah. they're selling. So, what are the if you had the one piece of advice? Let's start with number one. What would you tell people? Because they're everybody who can make great vegan food, one of their dreams that I've heard more than anything else is either open a vegan food truck, and that's only because they don't think they can open a vegan restaurant, but but they really want to open a vegan restaurant. Okay. So what, what advice would you give, Ed? I would say start small, like how I started. You need your community behind you because not we're, we live in a tourist town and there's not always tourists here. So we need our community to support us all year round. So we, uh, we were able to start bread. I was working at the restaurant. I rented the space when it wasn't in use. We made the bread one day and then it stored in the fridge overnight and I came in and baked it fresh. And I was selling it direct to the customer asking for their feedback. So I would say start small. Um, don't spend loads of money. Go to a farmer's markets, you know, rent a small space, see if the product works and make the product as best as you can. You know, we've always used organic flour and local salt um, because if you're going to make something with three ingredients, get the best ingredients you can and that will come through in the product. People will taste it. Um, So don't go for cheap options and think, oh, I'm going to make more money. You've got to look at the long term picture. You need that customer to return over and over again. It's not just about I'm going to make 90 percent profit. You know, you might only make 10 percent profit but it means you're going to have longevity within your your business and then you can grow it and add other products that might be cheaper to make and have a balance throughout the menu of some some things that don't make you a lot of money but some things that make you more money and then it will come through and have sort of you know a nice balance of of profit um, and and people will support you so start small don't invest too much money and test the product and speak to the consumer and see what they want you know, do they want a healthier option? Do they like, you know, seedy bread for us or do they like fruit and nuts? Or um, So that's really how we started. And then the consumer asked us to open a bakery. They were like, we want more. You know, it so started as, was it was like a little bread club between the sort of families and things. They would, uh, word of mouth would help us grow. Um, so I'd say that would be my, my one uh, top tip. And um, what about you, Natasha? Your top tip. Yeah, my top tip is believe in it. And what I mean by that is I know there are vegans out there who want to have vegan businesses and they feel like the customers wouldn't take it and that they would lose customers, they veganized their existing business or that they wouldn't get the traction if they started something new. And what I would say is whatever you see on the internet of people saying, I love meat, I'm going to eat meat forever, meat, meat, meat all day long. They can argue about it in words, but when you give something to someone that's delicious and they love it, they will come back and eat it again (laughs) and again, regardless (laughs) of their worldviews. They don't care, actually. They just want something that tastes good. And so you you don't need to get political about it. Just Yeah, and and I think what I would say is that um, let the customer guide you is what I'm hearing because I have seen... Uh, situations where people want to serve a particular dish that they like. And then you're like, well, maybe it should be, and and people aren't that willing to hear it. Um, Then, then you wonder, well, why does it fail? So getting back to the bread, Ed, when you were um, testing, did you know that you were ultimately going to open a restaurant uh, or a bakery of your own? 
Uh, And what was the feedback you were getting that guided you to the product that is the biggest seller? Totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, we started bread in 2016. um, And at that point, it was, to be honest, it was so I could buy a truck. So I could get a bit more money uh, and live a little bit of better lifestyle. It also helped fund our wedding um, because we were bringing lots of people over from the UK where we're from. So it was like just a bit extra cash, really. And then it did grow. We started at selling 30, 30 loaves a week um, on a Thursday. And within a year and a half, uh, we outgrew the, the kitchen space. We were doing 150 loaves, or I was on my own. Natasha would come in and help me sell it. Um, and it just grew and grew. And like I said, the customers demanded that we open. There was nothing in our town um, that definitely wasn't vegan and, and wasn't sort of like a sourdough-specific bakery. Or focused um, on organic uh, local ingredients. So there was a gap in the market. Um, we sold our house in the UK. So we put everything on the line. Like Tash said, we had to believe in the product. But in the, at first, the customers started by talking about what was already existing in the town. And they said, oh, this other bakery that's quite well known, they, they used to be organic and then they switched it out to cheap ingredients and they kept the prices the same. And that put a lot of the locals off. And so we knew from that, okay, we're going to be organic and we're going to stick with being organic, even if the profit margin is lower. Um, because we don't want to have a reputation of being using cheap ingredients. And then when you switch to organic, because you think you're at a, t- a point where you can, it's too late, your reputation is tarnished. So first of all, we knew from what people were saying about our competitors was that it was important to source good ingredients. And then people said... Yeah, oh no, I was, I was just a- a- emphasizing what you were saying by putting my finger up. What I'm hearing is, listen to the customer. <laughs> don't, be, don't say, this is what I want to make, I'm going to make it and you're going to like it. Listen to the customer, get the feedback, and pivot, pivot, pivot. Wow, this is incredible advice. Paige, uh, your question or thought for the Tattons of Bread in Whistler, Canada. This is so exciting. I mean, to have a vegan bakery at a ski resort, you are totally setting up a precedent. This is super exciting. Okay, here's my question. How have you been able to pivot during this, uh, you know, crazy year, And also, what is your recommendation for anyone who wanted to start either a bakery or, you know, do we start big? Do we start small with a pop-up? What are your thoughts? Thank you. Thank you, Paige. Now, you had mentioned going to farmer's markets. And I also like the idea of pop-ups, which is very popular here in L.A., so um, that, that basically is sort of like create a farmer's market wherever you go. You can pop up at a friend's store or yeah. – um, now, in a way, you, you did go online. So can anybody order your product from anywhere in the United States or Canada? Unfortunately not at this stage, yeah. The, the day we closed down was my birthday, March the 15th, 2020. We got closed down. Within 24 hours, we launched our online shop. Um, but that was just just available for local people. So uh-huh. they were able to buy. Um, but it's funny you talk about pop-ups because actually on Wednesday this week, uh, we have a pop-up at our shop, which is uh, vegan sourdough donuts. Uh, oh. we, don't make, we don't make donuts at the shop, but it's a, a young 19-year-old boy from, from Vancouver that's absolutely killing it in Vancouver with these vegan sourdough donuts that he pops up all around Vancouver. Um, and he's bringing 600 donuts to our store. So we've got a coffee and donut pop-up at Bread on Wednesday, um, which we're really excited about. Um, it adds, it brings, you know, credentials to his his business and to ours because it's something we don't do. It's something fun and different, um, you know, so we're really excited about that. So even though we have a brick and mortar shop, you can still do pop-ups and collabs with different vegan businesses. And, and support each other um, and help promote each other. Uh, that's fantastic and also very generous. You are not looking at him as competition. You're no. fostering him, even though people might come in that one day and buy four donuts instead of buying a bread, you're, mm. you're helping someone else, which I see as a commonality with vegan businesses. Yeah. 
Uh, in fact, uh, Possible Foods has said, we're not competitors with Beyond Meat. We wish them the best. We're collaborators. And yeah. I just love that sort of life isn't a zero-sum game. We can all win. Uh, it's a great philosophy, and it dovetails perfectly with uh, veganism. So uh, let's go continue on with the mistakes. I want to know what's the top mistake you can say that you've learned it personally from your own experience or um, you avoided it. Uh, but either way, let's start with some mistakes that are common mistakes that people make when creating a vegan business, not mm. listening to the customer, number one, but what what else in terms of especially the restaurant business? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've, I hear this in the vegan networking groups I'm part of. So this is a mistake that we've avoided. And apparently, and I don't get this, but apparently a lot of vegan business owners have a fear of making money. They see money as dirty, evil, uh, not ethical, and they feel like they're doing something wrong by making money. And this is uh, crazy talk to us because, you know, like Ed said, we sold our house. We believe in our concept so much. We're so passionate about veganism that we just couldn't see any other path for us. And the only way to go forward and, and get this concept going was to sacrifice our own house. So, of course, we would love to make enough money to buy another house because, you know, that's what we've invested. And I think, really, you should be able to own your own house in, in your lifetime. I don't think there's anything unethical about that. So from a personal drive, you know, we're not scared to make money. But David Pennell of Vegan Business Tribe in the UK, he puts it really succinctly. He says that a business can do far more good if they make a profit than one that makes a loss. And so if you have that in mind, you know, if you are profitable and I hope vegan businesses are profitable, then you can actually siphon money to charities, to projects. You can have a bigger impact with that money. Money is what's going to get these things off the ground. So you need to prove to other people the vegan business concept works. You don't want them looking at your business and going, yeah, look, they tried that vegan thing and look, they're out of business now. So we Mm -hmm. all need to keep serving meat and dairy. No, you've got to prove that this is a, a financially viable business opportunity. And then I the- love that. That is, <laughs> wow, what words of wisdom. <laughs> yes, don't have this sort of neurotic, uh, self-destructive yeah. guilt. Yes, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Okay, that was a really good one. Uh, Ed, what, what's your number one mistake to avoid? I make mistakes on a daily basis. Sourdough is very humbling. Um, so with baking and vegan baking, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, I'm coming up with new recipes because I don't want to just look online and copy someone else's. We're trying to be inventive. And what we find is when we do specials and we do new products, it brings customers in because those current customers that you have, they're looking for the next thing. They're like, oh, whatever Ed makes is delicious. So if I see something on social media, um, Ed's underscore bread on Instagram, um, then they might see that and be like, you know what? I'm going in for that new cinnamon bun or I'm going in for that delicious affogato coffee. Um, so it really pushes me to come up with new items. But at the same point, they don't always work out. So mm. I don't give up. I keep, it drives me to work and, and make them as best as I can because if the products we're doing aren't as good as products with animal um, you know, products in them or better, then people will, they won't come back. They won't buy them again. So they have to, we're really striving to be the best we can every day. Um, so mistakes happen. Uh, and what about, we, okay, we did the top, suggestion from each of you. We did the top mistake from each of you, but what are some of the revelations that you've stumbled upon when creating this business that you would say, aha, I wish everybody knew this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just discovered this. You know, somebody said to me once, it was the vegan bros, and they said, we make mistakes all the time, but we don't call mistakes. We say we're pivoting. We just use the idea of pivoting. Every mm-hmm. time you go on a social media platform, it's different. That doesn't mean that the previous version was broken. It just means that the next iteration is better. So we, you talk about mistakes. I run a nonprofit. I make mistakes every day. But I try to remember that 
That's how you learn and to pivot, 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 not get stuck in the mistake. Um, yeah. So take, take it away from there, uh, Natasha, in terms of you know, some of the things that you've realized that you might say, aha, I, this is, hmm, I wish others would know this. Okay, so a game changer for us was when a girl called Lucy, who has a company called Shido Digital, she's a vegan digital marketer. She only works with vegan businesses. She offered a free audit of our website and anyone can do this if they contact her. And she made a video and um, I went and checked what she was saying in my own website analytics. And what we discovered is that the only people that found our bakery were people that already knew the name of our bakery. So if you go into your website, if you have a website and you should have a website, if you have a business, that's one thing. It's quite easy and cheap to make a website these days. It doesn't have to have bells and whistles. It can be simple, but have a website and have a Google My Business page as well, because that's the main reason that people are going to find you. And when you look at the search, how people have found, how the, the keywords that people have put into the internet search engine, um, if they're only coming to you with the name of your business, that means you're not getting any new customers it means that they already heard about your business. So think about how are you going to open up your business to people that have never heard about you? And that's really about SEO and about having um, blog posts that are on topics that you, you cater for. So if you look at our website, you'll see things about sourdough. You'll see things about vegan baking. You'll see things about the environment. And having collaborations, as Ed mentioned, with other businesses that align with you and your values, that will open up mm -hmm. your audience to another business's audience and you can share audiences and build. So think about how can you access people that have never heard about you before? And, and when you think about that, that's a bit of a game changer. You don't need to spend lots of money on Google advertising or Facebook advertising. You just need to be putting appropriate content onto your website and collaborating. Wow. That, and boy, a lot of wisdom here today. I'm learning. Uh, Ed, what, what was your like aha moment while you were creating this that you say, wow, I wish I had known this before, or I wish everybody who's starting a vegan business knew this. Totally. I mean, for us, we've taken a lot of things from the early days. Um, so because I had to start the business using two small ovens, it was many, many batches of, of bread. So therefore, the customer was always getting warm baked bread. Um, and for us, we travel and we go to a lot of other bakeries and see what our competitors are doing um, and, you know, learn from what they will take away from them or, or maybe learn from or think, actually, we're doing that really well. For example, we still bake fresh in the morning. So when you come to our bakery, you get fresh, warm bread a lot of the time um, because we don't bake through the night. And what we've noticed, we go to other bakeries and the bakers are there, you know, there and gone. So there's not much atmosphere. You come to our bakery and you see everything being made. It's all open plan. Um, and people, customers will take the bread and they'll hug it like a baby because it's still <laughs> warm from the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so, and you know, like it's just so rewarding for us to see people yeah. getting these freshly baked um, vegan products, you know, and, and, and um, they can just taste this little goodness. So I think that's really what, what I would like to see more is, is bakeries sort of baking a bit sort of fresher in the morning and showing, you know, kids where the, where the food is made with as little, you know, packaging. All our packaging is 100% is compostable, just paper. We don't have any plastic at all. Um, so I think that's really important. Yes, I think it's very important for vegan businesses to be uh, sustainable in their packaging and and it frustrates me sometimes when I see a vegan product that I want to participate in and then I say wow but that packaging is is not mm -hmm. sustainable and it's so easy now that's a value-added let me ask you about gluten-free I really mm -hmm. don't get it because I'm not gluten-free but people who are are very uh quite often quite um uh, firm about it. Um, what is the appeal of gluten-free and do you do gluten-free? We do. We do have some products that we call like flour-free. Um, we do mill fresh grains at the bakery and therefore it's airborne for 24 hours. So to be strictly 
gluten-free for celiacs, we would have to have a separate bakery where we only made gluten-free products. So we always sort of, that's pretty much the only people that we can't um, accommodate. Um, we have a lot of things that are nut-free. Um, obviously, everything has no animal products in it. So that, that's good. And a lot of products, they're soy-free. Um, but we do use a lot of sort of um, seeds and gluten-free products. Um, we do have a uh, bread that's available that's gluten-free oats and nuts and seeds. And it's really, we call it the mountain loaf. It's really hearty. You only need a thin slice. But and it, it tastes keep you going. delicious. Like a, a lot of people buy it and they're not gluten-free. And um, that's that's the, the that's how you can tell it's Totally, good, yes. Good it's for everyone. So um, we do have a few products, but we're the same as you with sourdough. It's fermented, so it's definitely lowering gluten. Um, it's good. It's good for your gut. It's, you know, um, slow food. Um, so we don't concentrate on it too much. A lot of the time, vegan and gluten-free get put into the same category. Or confused. Um, or confused. You know, they're like, oh, do you have anything vegan? No, we have this gluten-free. But you're like, well, it's got butter and eggs in it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, I've been there, experienced yeah. that. So yeah. let me ask you this question about vegan businesses, because you're running your vegan business now. You're successful. You just won an award. Uh, you're working so hard. One of the pitfalls, I think, is when people expand too rapidly, thinking, oh, yeah. okay, this is going great. Now, we already talked to somebody asked you about a franchise. It could have been me. I don't know. But yes, there's sort of this push. And that's part of what's happening in the world. It's like growth, growth, growth. Absolutely. But if you grow too large, you can actually hurt your business. How do you manage that? Totally. I mean, for us, because of COVID, it does feel like we would be way more down the road if that hadn't happened, but everyone's in the same boat. So we're, we're just grateful to still be open mm. and still have our community supporting us. Um, staffing is always a, is a problem as well, like Tash mentioned, finding trained, skilled bakers. So for us, we're just really about the product and not about expanding. At the moment, we're not open every day of the week. So for us, it's just about opening more days and just, just gradually growing the business and keeping that quality um, for our service as well. We really pride ourselves on good service, you know, give, getting um, good customer feedback. I think it's um, important to really understand that bricks and mortar and staff are the hugest costs of your business. So you need to expand as much as you can within the confines of what you already have. So if that means selling online and that works for your business, do that. If you can add other product lines, like we added deli items to our store during the, the COVID lockdown, we started making hummus, we started marinating olives, we started selling bread flour. Um, so if you can add more products, then you can increase the spend per head. We've actually at least doubled our spend per head to pre-COVID levels. And some days we triple that. So we can see major growth in our business, but we're not looking at multiple stores. We're just looking at increasing the pro products and services that we already offer. So yeah. that's something else to think about. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, let me ask you about hotels. Some hotels are doing very well uh, on veganism. The Four Seasons, for example, has a whole thing going on with it that's extraordinary. But some hotels, one I recently visited, um, shall remain nameless, zero <laughs> vegan options. And I spoke to the manager and he says, you're not the first person to say this. And thank you. And I said it politely. I said, you've got a beautiful place here. I wanted to order something, but I wasn't able to, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, you're in a, a resort town filled with hotels. Yeah. Do, is that a potential market? Um, we don't actually like to do wholesale to businesses that are not vegan. We don't want our bread because our bread is amazing. It's the best bread in town. I fully believe that. <laughs> and it makes anything taste good. So we, we don't want to make a steak sandwich better. <laughs> okay. So we do actually have um, a sort of, it's part of our values that we only align with vegan businesses for that reason. Yeah. We're mission well, that's that's super interesting in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, we're we're getting to the end of our conversation. It's I've learned so much from you. Any other tips uh, as we wrap up, so that people who are watching, who their dream is to have a vegan business, yeah. I know I've, the takeaways. You know, listen to your customer, refine yeah. your product based on customer feedback. Mm -hmm. um, 
do your research, be modest, and um, final thoughts on that. Just go for it. Don't, don't hesitate. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of the time you're never ready for it. It's yeah. like, I know we've got friends that have got kids and, you know, they always say you're never ready to start a family. Yeah. You're never really ready to start a business, but you've just got to go for it and believe in yourself. Um, if and, not and, today, when? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the longer you leave it, the harder it's going to get, the older you'll get, you know, and the more responsibilities you have. So, and I feel like if you go down the vegan, um, you know, with the vegan train, you're only going to, yeah. have success because it's yeah. just growing and it's getting bigger and bigger um and that you can see that from these finally these big you know companies like you mentioned four seasons they're getting on board because they're seeing that it's not just a niche trend that it's here to stay um and, and the more experience you have when it really explodes in the next few years you're going to be ahead of the game well, yeah, I have to say I was in Vancouver um, a couple of summers ago, maybe three, and I was blown away by the spectacular yeah. vegan restaurants everywhere. Yes. It was yeah. amazing. And I even stumbled upon a vegan startup, uh, a vegan deli while I was touring, I think, Victoria. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. Uh, So that was very exciting. Not to mention that it's a beautiful place that I would recommend anybody visit um, the summertime. It was just a spectacular, spectacular uh, trip. Um, So what are your final thoughts, Natasha? So it's picking up on what you said of your experience in a hotel recently where they had nothing vegan. Um, You really need to be as inclusive as you can. So I think it's Heather Landek. She's a food safety consultant and her tagline is inclusivity is the new exclusivity. And what she means is that you need to be offering vegan and nut free and soy free and try and think of all the people and all the different allergens or food choices that people make and cater to them like vegans good. um, But also, you know, go beyond that. So Obviously, we do everything vegan because we're ethical people. But then there's also the nut-free. We do nut-free products. We do soy-free. At the same time, we also have to be realistic that because we mill grain, which is something we're really proud that we do because it ultimately results in a higher quality product, um, that does make it inaccessible for celiacs. And we're very transparent about that because we don't want anybody to have a reaction. But as much as possible, cater for everybody. Um, and make it all vegan, of course, because everyone can eat plants. But uh, don't make it like all vegan and full of nuts because then you're actually cutting out like quite a big segment of people. So you want to make it inclusive. And that goes to all the businesses out there. Make sure you've got vegan options and make sure that it's not vegan or gluten-free. Make sure you've got a dish that's both. Well, first of all, I want to thank Katrina Fox for introducing us to you. She's amazing and she runs a vegan women's leadership groups and mm-hmm. there's so much happening in this space. Yes. It's so exciting. And the thing I would say, it's fun. There's yes. no more fun to be had than in a vegan kitchen. Uh, there's more variety uh, and there's more color and it's just a, a whole lot of fun. So I think that by presenting it that way as well, this is not a sacrifice. It is a fabulous adventure, a delicious adventure. And I just uh, hope that one day I can go up to Whistler and sample your products in person because they sound absolutely spectacular and delicious. So I want to thank you. I know you're very, very busy people. I very much appreciate you taking the time uh, from Whistler, Canada, where they have a store bread. This is Natasha and Ed Tatton. Their store bread has just won a big award, and uh, they are just really an example of a successful vegan bakery, a successful vegan restaurant in a sense, even though uh, it's mostly to pick up that bread uh, that's still just warm coming out of the oven and a successful vegan business. So uh, we tell these stories uh, to inspire others. And uh, I think this is one of the most inspiring conversations I've had in terms of uh, a business that started as a dream with humble origins that then grew into this very, very um, 
exciting and successful enterprise. Let me just ask you this on a personal note. How does it feel to have a dream and achieve it? And that's my final question of the day. So I'll start with uh, you, Ed. Uh, every day, I'm I'm grateful to have our to have our bakery. We're very fortunate, and I think that's part of it is is realizing you know not always being like oh I wish we had another shop or you know be present and be like we are very lucky we live three minutes away from the bakery, um, which is quite handy because I have to feed the sourdough so much. But I'm I'm so grateful for our community to support us um, in the first couple of years, um, and and I just I just love it just to like you said, it is a, is a dream. Like since being a boy of 13, opening, like being in restaurants and always thinking I'd love to have my own business and just having that drive and getting to that point um, and running it with my beautiful wife. I'm very lucky to have <laughs> such an intelligent force. Um, so I'm, I'm the muscle and she's the brains. <laughs> Aww, that's lovely. Okay, Natasha, what does it feel like for you personally? It's just very surreal, you know, when you have this concept in your head and then you're able to actually bring it into fruition and you see this like physical place and people and it's real and you sometimes have to pinch yourself because it's, it sort of blurs the line between reality and unreality. <laughs> and it's quite, it's quite interesting. It kind of makes you think like, wow, this was a dream and now it's, a, it's here. Um, so what else is possible? What else can I dream of that will become possible? <laughs> and you're kind of at a crossroads where you see a lot of people, tourists, et cetera, sort of a cross section of life. Do you see veganism as um, are we hitting the tipping point or? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The first six months that we were open, a lot of people would come in and say, you don't have any real milk. You don't have any dairy. And I'd say, yeah, and, but the oat and, milk's unreal. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fading out. Now more and more people are coming in and saying, what's vegan? And we're so proud to say everything. But they don't believe us and they'll literally go is that vegan is that vegan i go yeah everything's vegan we're almost thinking do we need to get a certification now because we're seeing that we're not vegan enough like we don't make it obvious enough we're too stealthy so that's awesome oh. well uh on that note i want to say thank you so much you guys are amazing uh check out bread what is your website it's ed's bread that's e-d-s B-R-E-D dot com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at E-D-S underscore B-R-E-D, Ed's underscore bread. And use the discount code Jane Unchained for 10% off if you're ever in Whistler on our website. Oh, wow. That's nice. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. And please join us again here on Jane Unchained Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.